0: This is the Open School of Business, the podcast dedicated to success by delivering insightful conversations with business experts from different walks of life. Here's your host, Anaro Musakwa, entrepreneur and a project management professional. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please leave your comments and questions, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Let's begin. Welcome to our episode. And I'm very excited today because it's the first face-to-face interview. And today our guest is Lauren Keen. Hi, Lauren. Please introduce yourself and tell us about what you do.
1: Sure. Um, my name is Lauren Quinn. I'm the co-founder and director of a small school, a micro school in Northern Virginia called the Village School. We are part of a global network of schools called Acton Academies and who are reimagining education for children ages K through 12th grade.
0: All right, that is really great. This is how we actually met with Lauren, um, because I was looking into the ideas of collaboration, entrepreneurship, and since I do have a child, I was looking into uh, education around it and where uh, children can get that type of education. And I stumbled across Acton Mm -hmm. Academy and in our area in washington dc virginia and maryland uh, lauren is one of the founders of this amazing school and i did have a tour there it's amazing Mm -hmm. and children are just learning independently Mm -hmm. and in collaborative space so my first question is how did you start how did you come across the idea and why did you want to start this business sure um i think
1: Probably like many entrepreneurs, that started with finding, a, seeing a problem um, in education. I saw a problem and I wanted to be able to serve children and families better. So that's a short answer. The longer answer is that I would spent more than a decade as an educator and teacher um, in various schools, both public and private, and, you know, I had really come to observe many of the disheartening elements um, in traditional classrooms. So, disengage students, teach to the test. Um, by and large, I, I felt like kind of the light was being lost um, in children's eyes um, and including the staff as well. So it really came down to the fact that I, I felt like all of this time spent in school was amounting to a lot of wasted time and lost potential. Um, And so that was kind of my professional stance, um, where I Mm -hmm. I recognized this problem. And then as a mother to two young boys, um, once my own two children entered um, traditional school, which we decided to try, Mm -hmm. um, I saw the same thing happening. Kind of this complacency, excuse me, complacency setting in um, and disengagement and just this Loss of curiosity, and I thought learning is supposed to be fun and yes. joyous. and um, they
0: were going to Montessori before, so they went to play-based,
1: play-based preschools, and uh, and then entered kindergarten in our local public school. Um, and at that time, I had entered um, into the Fairfax County Public Schools as a part-time advanced academic resource teacher, and so was kind of experiencing similar to what they were in, in school. And that we had a lot of very committed professionals and educators who were trying to put band-aids on a system that, in my opinion, was just broken. So a lot of managing and compliance, and um, in terms of in the classroom versus really empowering learners to take that their learning into their own hands, sparking curiosity, all of those things that if you watch young children in preschool experience, there's just for me it felt like, why is this stopping in kindergarten? Why are we saying that now, now we're going to test you and now we're going to take all the fun out of learning and um, and and we're going to force this, this curriculum upon you rather than right. really looking at the differences in all of the children, their unique gifts, all of the things that they could be curious about that they could just Follow that and building a curriculum around that. So Montessori was something I was always inspired by. Um, yes. For various reasons. We didn't pursue that for our own children at the preschool level. Um, but the whole idea of following the child definitely started with her, and it is actually what Acton started on. So
0: yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. I and I think from my own experience since back in the day we didn't have any play-based or independent learning uh, type of education establishments i found it always interesting why certain kids would thrive mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, certain kids like uh, would hold back even though uh, for example i was a straight a student mm-hmm. and i had friends who if we had a conversation had really profound interesting thoughts and I would see that they're really smart mm-hmm. and they know answers sometimes to certain difficult questions mm-hmm. but when it comes to exams or being able to uh, just share with the class they would stumble mm-hmm. and they would not achieve the same excellency in grades mm-hmm. and and uh, it always struck me why it happens and why they're getting demotivated So. I was wondering, like, have you had any kids in your um, public school setting Mm -hmm. that were just amazing, even though they had the same uh, quite uh, strict frameworks and tests and everything? And why do you think that happens? Sure, that's such a great question. Um, So
1: I think traditional school is based on the learn to know. So it's learning to know facts, learning to know dates, learning to know information, because it's Mm -hmm. all driven by
0: the testing industry. So if you have a memory, if you have a good memory, you Mm -hmm. would not get ahead.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then if you know how to do school well, so if that's Mm -hmm. what school is, Um, then there are a lot of students who know how to do that well. It sounds like maybe you were one of those students who knew how to do that well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a variety of reasons, girls seem to to do that, show that more often than boys sometimes. I had two very active boys. So the Mm -hmm. very nature of having that, um, real desire and need to, to move, to do hands on. I mean, that's across genders. Um, it's just, it's so apparent and it's so lacking in our, in our model. So when you have a when you have a learner who is really good at memorizing and really good at taking tests, then, then we look at them and we say they're doing fine. They're doing great in school. Yes. Um, and when you have a learner who it's very clear they have other needs that aren't being met, it's really impossible to ignore. Um, and th- those are the learners who typically struggle all the way through school. And ironically, they are the ones that that tend to do really well outside of formal education. That's
0: what I was going (laughs) to say, because if you look at the statistics, Mm -hmm. the entrepreneurs, uh, business people, Mm -hmm. uh, they are uh, most of the times children and students who were getting by school, getting C's, Mm -hmm. and getting really frustrated with the whole structure um, of education. Yeah. And uh, I think that's another um, segue into how do we take uh, the students and the people who are very used to a structure and know how to compete and collaborate well in a very structured environment. Mm -hmm. And if we um, take a child from, like a successful uh, students from a traditional school and put them in a more uh, free learning environment, How Mm -hmm. do they navigate? Because I think a lot of people who got used to having jobs, Mm -hmm. they struggle when they become entrepreneurs and they have to work for themselves. Mm -hmm. So if we could (laughs) crack the code with children, I'm sure we would also be able to share with our adults how you can readapt your skills and, and just use it for your everyday life and business. Yes, that's so true. Um, well, interestingly enough, a lot of
1: people think Acton Academy is, um, is a free school where children are able to do whatever they want. And, and actually, it really is based on a, uh, complex systems. Um, so we're learner-driven, and we would not be able to do that without a lot of layers of systems. And so okay. what those systems allow for is they allow for... A lot of freedom but a structure so so to your question about entrepreneurship and kind of developing these skills at a young age and collaboration I think your question is really like how do we how do we develop those skills in a different environment was that yes, that, did I get you yes. Right? because okay.
0: when you're given a task when you're given a project mm-hmm. and you're given a goal guided by the teacher it's easier to navigate. you just need to execute well. right. Uh, but when you're given a chance to create, mm-hmm. then you have to think about your vision, your goals, planning, right. So it's a whole set of different skills and right. okay. I'm so, interested in. right, exactly. So, we have this idea that at
1: Acton Academy, what we're really doing is developing that entrepreneurial mindset. Yes. So collaboration is a huge part of what we do. So our afternoons, we dive into these quests and these projects, which have these real-world deliverables. So starting mm-hmm. in first grade, our, I mean, even our younger studio, um, they will, um, for instance, our next session, they do an entrepreneurship quest and mm-hmm. they have to come up with a business idea and pitch it and go through all of the steps um, that a business owner would have when they have this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they get real world feedback and, and then they present. So instead of a test, they actually have this exhibition of their learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, do every, we have seven sessions throughout the year and each session they do that. So if you imagine throughout the course of elementary, middle and high school, that seven times a year, they're, they're learning project management. They're learning how to set goals and manage their time. Mm-hmm. And they're learning most often through failure because we know that those things don't go right the first time, particularly when we're asking you to try something new that you've never done before. Right. So we just had our first exhibition of learning of the school year. And um, this one was really just about showcasing to parents what it means to learn in our environment. So they were showing them our learning platform, how they set goals, how they earn points for their goals, all of the different kind of learning systems. And, um, and also what they've been working on the past six weeks. Mm-hmm. And there were a handful of learners who didn't have a whole lot to show. And um, and I think in traditional school that will be put on the teacher for not managing that child's schedule well. Right. Whereas for us, we're constantly we're making very clear what the roadmap is. We are encouraging and empowering along the way, mm-hmm. but we're not forcing. It's not you know compulsory. It's
0: their own responsibility. It's their own responsibility. And they learn by the result, right? 100%. So when they do they compare themselves to other students to see like okay that that's my result and right. obviously in the real world you see other people's results and then yeah so they do they do um
1: they they earn badges for completed work and also for successful quest project completions um, and if they don't earn them they don't move on to the next level. So in, in some ways it's like a game, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that's really motivating to many of them. Um, my own son, um, coming from traditional school last year being his first year in the system, he, he says all the time, he said it took me a few months to even understand uh, <laughs> how to earn a badge, you know, and how to really set goals and manage my time. And he, he said I didn't really learn it until I saw other people Set other people achieving success and I realized I had to ask them how did you do that
0: oh that's <laughs> so wonderful.
1: he could kind of crack the code himself mm-hmm. and um, and because our culture is just so collaborative we use the hero's journey metaphor and that we're all heroes we're all on a journey we all make mistakes but the a hero gets back up and keeps going um, yes and so together they know that they're nurturing each other and supporting each other's journey and that so it's really. Um, I think the difference in traditional school is that um, the teacher is the assessor and the checker and the grader. Yes,
0: that's true. And
1: in our school, it's it's their peers and it's themselves. Yeah. Our guides serve as coaches, but really, if we have the system set up correctly and we have the culture right, mm-hmm. then then it all. <laughs> kind of, it, it seems like this magical formula, um, and it doesn't, but it's the infrastructure it doesn't happen overnight.
0: Because so, yeah. you are the average of five people you interact most with. Yes. So if your peers oh, are yeah. strong, mm-hmm. then you will develop stronger foundation. And this That's is really funny because I want to share a story with you, uh, how I got in my first trouble in a traditional school. Mm-hmm. It was my first year in elementary school, and one of my friends didn't prepare homework. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was asking me how I did it, and so I was explaining, but then the time was up, the recess was almost over, and she was like, can I just copy it, mm-hmm. and you know, and then you know, next time you will explain it to me. <laughs> and that sounded like a good idea to me, because we were brought up like helping friends is a good thing mm-hmm. and things. So I had no idea about cheating plagiarism. We haven't been told these things uh, at elementary school level. And uh, <laughs> the trouble I got in, I was so shocked that I cannot help my friend mm. to get better grades or to get ahead, mm-hmm. and and that was a very clear lesson for me because I got a my first F that class oh, because gosh. I gave first oh.
1: grader. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was I was just heartbroken, but I learned the lesson really well that I cannot share my work, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously I can you know, help them, but children are not very good at managing their time. So they wouldn't ask me the questions at the right time. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I wouldn't be able to help them again. So what happens is that even when you have good friends who are willing to help you and you have good structure, you still might not benefit from them because of the traditional uh, school structure. so unless really you great. have a tutor and i mean the, the whole structure is very well designed for that you can get a tutor mm-hmm. you can get uh, another extra class and mm-hmm. sign up for this class that class and etc um, so but i love this idea that children can learn from each other and this is how it works usually in life too if you have a friend who knows it's good to talk to them mm-hmm. it's good to find out information and thanks God, now we have Google as well. That's right. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, but even Google, you have to go through a lot of things. You probably need a mentor to just even uh, teach you how to Google and what materials are good and what materials are probably a waste of time. This is a great uh, example of how collaboration works much better than competition or uh, ignoring or just strict rules about like, yeah not sharing your work and not plagiarizing. And it's not a is, new idea. Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it's an old idea. Maria Montessori was, was a, you know, the, with multi-age education, it's the idea that we learn best from each other. And so, so in traditional school, we have single, grade, single age, right, based on your birthday. This is what you're going to learn. This is who you're yes. going to learn with. And then you have teachers who issue grades and there's just no ownership and there's no peer collaboration. The, the structure of traditional school, it, it supports competitiveness against each other rather than collaboration. Yes. And if there's one thing that I would say is probably the most important in education that we do, it's the, it's the peer-to-peer learning. It's, it's hands down way more powerful than any other educational model. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's really, it's pretty neat to see.
0: Yes. And also to uh, just dig in more on the competitiveness versus collaboration topic, you mentioned that in traditional school, competitiveness is promoted. And I was wondering, because you do get badges as well in Acton Academy, and you do get results at the end of your fair exhibitions. Mm -hmm. uh, But however, what really prevents kids of thinking, oh, let me just, let me just keep This know how to myself, like Mm -hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs still do. They wouldn't share their secret sauce or a secret structure or something that has to do with their business and they don't want the world to know about it uh, to get ahead Mm -hmm. again to become this best person in the room or in the competition and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, how do you think kids? unlearn that and learn this new more productive behavior of collaborating
1: sure. I'm glad you said unlearn because there's definitely a process of unlearning particularly for our older learners yeah. coming in from traditional I mean, even
0: when they're five they already know right. that there, there could be someone who can do certain thing better than the other right. like even jumping or running right. whatever they do they notice because parents give feedback they're like oh you did a great job right. or right. oh you need to do a bit more Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, so that kind of goes back to, at the beginning, I was saying how traditional school is learn to know. Our three, We have three main pillars at Acton Academy, which is, which is learn to learn, learn to do, and learn to be. And so what you're really talking about, and I can dive into those, but learn mm-hmm. to be is really the part of our school that's based on character. And so we hold that to be just as important as any of the academic stuff that they learned. So... Um, learning to be means they're learning how to be good community members they're learning how Mm -hmm. to lead a Socratic discussion themselves they're learning how to serve their community in some way and we actually have specific character badges just like our academic badges Mm -hmm. that we say this is really what it means to be a hero and it what it means to be a learner here at the village school and they take that very seriously and Mm -hmm. and that comes from being in a multi-age environment it's naturally fostered that way so even without the badges, I mean, they, I do, I do believe deep down. I mean, all humans we're, we are designed to help and support. Um, mm-hmm. If the systems are set up correctly, then we're nurturing that natural part of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so that's a big part of our, you know, of, of being at our school. Um, I would say it takes new learners quite a bit of time to learn how to be responsible for themselves before they can kind of take on that extra level. Of leading and supporting others, but um, but it does happen, okay. and it, and we're in year two now, so it's pretty magical to see how that's how our returning learners from last year have really stepped up as kind of the preservers of that culture at our school. It's like this is who we are, this is what we're all about. Um, yeah. We're here to
0: help each other, and it comes back to values. Does. And uh, I guess the neuroscience around it is also when you do help, you get dopamine. Yes. <laughs> <And> yes. 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 <laughs> when you, when you yes. share, you have this uh, deeper happiness and content, yeah. rather than when you have the prize and everyone around you is miserable. <laughs> it's so true.
1: And really, Acton. I mean, all of our every part of our learning design is based on best research in cognitive science. It's it's very it's a
0: very intelligent design and human motivation and yeah, yes. lots of layers. That's great. Yeah. Also, you mentioned. Uh, that you have seven sessions during the year and each one is six weeks? Just about, so, four to uh, six weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. and what about in between? What do you have? Are they breaks or? They are. In fact, we just How finished many our days? last session yesterday, so we're on our first break. Um, mm-hmm. It's a
1: week and they're okay. usually tacked on to a holiday, so like Monday is Columbus Day. Yes. Um, and so it's, again, this idea of, you know, we can work really, really hard in these kind of sprints, Mm-hmm. and then we need to rest a little bit and then we yeah. come back in and we
0: start a brand new project and Quest and and we do another show I remember back in the day we used to get um, not necessarily homework but certain projects for our breaks mm-hmm. like a book to read or write an essay do you have that type of things as well or it's just pure rest? yeah well
1: it's up to the learner and the family we don't do homework at all we don't issue what's not required um, okay however our learners do homework all the time based on their because they want to
0: okay.
1: um, they're either really focused on achieving a goal that week or um, maybe they're catching up because one day in the studio they weren't particularly focused so they really mm-hmm. learn how to kind of calibrate that as as they grow
0: that's um, great, but yeah. no i mean mm-hmm.
1: i think a big part of our learning design is that we believe learning happens outside the walls of the classroom so you know a lot of our families are fortunate enough to travel um my family we're staying here but it'll be it'll be just a little bit more relaxed but we'll be doing some some of our own work i think
0: each of us yeah Yeah. i mean if if the philosophy is learning by doing there's so much to learn by just being around your family Mm -hmm. and uh, how do usually parents take this as in terms of their schedules because these are the times where they might be at work and really busy. Yeah, that's a reality that, that we're still trying to work out.
1: Um, some mm-hmm. Actons have intercession camps um, where they offer different activities on these breaks. Um, a lot of our current families um, are entrepreneurs as well, mm-hmm. so they are able to kind of find some flexibility in their schedule whenever mm-hmm. they work from home or um, they take that time off, or they share that, they split time with their spouse if they can. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is that's still really hard for a lot of families. Um, So we're hoping as time goes on and our community grows that we'll be able to to offer some opportunities there for dual working parents that just don't have that
0: flexibility. Mm -hmm. so that's on the horizon (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right great so uh, we were talking about how uh, you were in education and this is what you saw as an opportunity but the way you're looking for that opportunity in that Mm -hmm. particular time or is it mostly because your kids were going into school and you were looking for an alternative for your kids yeah um I think it's really interesting um and the reason um, yeah. let me just tell you why I'm asking Sure. because a lot of people uh, do full-time job and especially being a teacher it's very easy to fall into the structure where everything is so predictable you like it mm-hmm. you have a, a stable uh, stream of income yeah. and all of a sudden going to on such a hero's journey yes. <laughs> I applaud you and also I want to sh- to find out more so that we can share with our audience and how to do that, how do you find courage and motivation and finally do it? Yeah, that's such a good question.
1: You know, for me it was really um it was just so many years of asking why and not being satisfied with the answers that I found within the traditional school system mm-hmm. that I knew I needed to either find a totally different career or try to reinvent it and so I really just listened to that nudge and I think sometimes when you when you talk about something enough like to neighbors and friends and family members sometimes they can mirror back to you what you're saying and what you really want to do rather, more so than you can even that you've even realized yourself so for example I would complain about the things I was Mm -hmm. seeing um, in traditional school, the amount of seat time, the disengagement, the the children, the only questions they asked were, what is this on the test? It just was so disheartening to me. And so after doing that, I, I really, there were a couple of, a handful of people who kind of served as those signposts that said, well, what if you started a school? which I thought, wow, that sounds very ambitious, (laughs) (laughs) and it's not, I did not go into education thinking Uh that's what I would do, but then, of course, it became very personal when I really saw my older son struggling immensely in traditional school, and he was just so bright and so curious, and watching that light go out was just heartbreaking, so that led me to just search. It really just led me to continue searching, and, um... And it was really through my, I've always loved research, and it was through my own research and a few Google searches later that I found Active Academy. And I thought, oh, this is it. It has all the pieces put together that I believe is just the way school should be. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, then I told my husband, I think I want to start a school. And she thought, you know, that, wow, okay. That's, <laughs> it wasn't, yes, let's do that. All right. um, but we did talk it through and decided to apply, you know, to apply to join the network and then flew out to Austin, Texas um, to uh, the founding school in Austin. Mm-hmm. And um, after two days there, he looked at me and he said, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something you can see and if you know you have the opportunity to do it for us it just felt like we couldn't not do it Mm -hmm. so i don't know how that relates to other people's calling and courage except to just really be curious Mm -hmm. about those nudges and and also the things you're really dissatisfied with just rather than accepting them for what is just be really curious about that and ask yourself is there a way that Mm -hmm. i'm being called to serve here Um, and that is kind of how I would describe a calling which I think we all have Um, whether it's our main job or our side job or you know that it's just something that makes us who we are it allows us to fulfill our full potential um, and then hopefully it makes the world a better place in the process so Mm -hmm. but yes it does take a lot of courage and it it takes a willingness to learn and be humbled again and again and again for all the things you don't know right Yes. Um, so uh, and of course I'm part of a larger network of support that's just amazing so mm-hmm. I would say if you can find that network of support if you're going if you really want to take the leap um, yeah. then then you know that when
0: things get hard they're there and that and so, you'll get uh, through it as a I know that Acting Academy is operating as a franchise so you you pay certain fee a year and you get support So for the benefit of uh, maybe anyone else wanting to open or anyone else interested in general franchisee Mm -hmm. uh, model, what kind of support do you get and what kind of support did you have? I mean, what kind of things did you have absolutely figure out yourself? Sure, Um, Um, so it's interesting because you, they
1: actually say we're not a franchise, we're a network of learner-driven schools. However, you do pay um, once you apply to the network, if you get accepted, mm-hmm. um, you do pay to kind of be a part of that, a one-time fee.
0: Oh, yeah, that's my bad. I mean, no, even no, though if okay. it's not a franchise, I would say, I guess, to the benefit of Acton Academy that, right. uh, first of all, it's really based on your values and they want to attract people Who want to serve the communities and who are on the side of this innovative approach right it's not just the money maker for anyone who wants to come in right Uh, and then to be fair if you compare to any other franchise education or even other franchise opportunities uh it's a humble uh contribution in in a sense like it's not rip-off right. in my opinion right. so that's already right. good and I don't
1: think Laura and Jeff the founders have ever seen a dime of it they were fortunate enough to I think have what they needed financially before they started Acton mm-hmm. so it's really for them as an act of service which is just amazing yes um, Actin is a bit we are big believers in being self-directed learners so mm-hmm. while there is a large network of support there's also a very um, big understanding that anybody wanting to do this is a self-directed learner that does not need to have their hand held through (laughs) through all the steps even though sometimes you want to um (laughs) so the the network in general i mean we have our learning design so in all the systems so what that means is um there are various systems to um like um, building independence and point system there's a journey tracker there's there Um, which allows our learners to actually um, input their goals that's created by Acton Academy. So there's Acton-created resources Mm -hmm. that you have, um, and then the quests and projects are also there. You don't have to use them. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that you promise to do as an owner and part of the network is maintain a learner-driven environment. So that has actually more to do with the adult interaction with the kids than anything else, is that we promise that we're not standing in front of the room teaching and droning on for hours, mm-hmm. um, but that we, our guides are acting socratically 99% right. of the time. Um, and then, of course, there's an online forum. So as you kind of go through the process of setting up and, um, or even you know, years in, uh, lots of different situations arise that you just have questions about, mm-hmm. there's a, a whole network. Of, of people that are there to respond to your questions. So, just like a Google group forum, okay. which is invaluable. I mean, it's amazing. And then, through the process of being in the network, there's an annual owners' meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And you kind of find, at least in my experience, you find your own running partners, mm-hmm. um, other acting owners who maybe are launching at the same time you are, um, who you just kind of hit it off with. Um, you have the same goals in mind and cause we are a varied group. I mean, we're all very different. All owners kind of have, um, we believe in, you know, children and what they're capable of by and large, that's what we have in common. But, um, we are very different in our backgrounds and our experience and our mm-hmm. locations. Um, yes. so, um, so I've been fortunate enough to, to find those, those handful of running partners that, that are almost my, my, you know, uh. I can
0: bounce ideas off of them, yeah. and and um, and we just support each other. Along it's like the way. a support network for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, are they also an education background, or do they have more of a uh, business background?
1: That's a great question. Um, I would say most acting owners come from an entrepreneurial business background. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, you know, my husband is an entrepreneur, so we're both small business owners, and. And when we were filling out our application together, I know that that, that helped because to be honest, coming to, uh, applying to Enacted as an educator, um, was something I had to talk uh, around. I had to really, I had to really convince, uh, the network that I was not a traditional educator, <laughs> um, because there's a lot to unlearn if you really are, you know, yeah. if you really are used to being in that traditional setting. So, um... So most are entrepreneurs, business owners, but we really vary. It's all all across the board. I think, I think that Laura and Jeff, the original founders, are very good about screening people who are applying to the network to, um, to see if they really have the grit and resilience to see it through, because that's really the biggest part. And that tends to be mm-hmm. what entrepreneurs have in spades. They're used to those big projects, management and failing. Um, and right. just embracing challenges as part of the journey.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. So, uh, when you just started, what was your biggest challenge? Something that was not figured out for a long is, time
1: is um, getting families on board. You're selling them on a vision, and there's no school yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was that's our how challenge a lot initially. of entrepreneurs start. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, now we have a school, um, and of course, it's just finding the right families. Um, all families believe in the outcomes of what we of what we promise. So, you know, we mm-hmm. promise that that our learners will um, will discover the world around them and the talents within them and hopefully find a calling and change the world. I mean, that's a bold mission statement, but we believe in it. Yes. Um, and and through that process, our our learners, by the time they leave us, hopefully, will be, independent, resilient, really passionate about the world uh, mm-hmm. or about something in particular, and just tough-minded. You know, they have that grit. Yes. Um, and so that, those outcomes happen as a result of being in an environment where they fail often, uh, cheaply. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we believe yeah. in that because we think, what better time to fail? But failure is really hard as a parent to see. Um, it's really, really hard to endure and watch your child struggle or yeah. see the occasional tears, which is really all a normal
0: part of life and it's a normal part of our school environment. Mm-hmm. And so. And also, uh, to the point of um, traditional versus um, uh, independent learning, I'm sure people, uh, children, cry in traditional schools too yes. when things don't work out. That's so true. So it's like the tears you can't really avoid anywhere you yep. go. And uh, this is amazing what you said about the, like how they're gonna grow up and graduate and become independent learners and successful at their lives. I was wondering in this whole like big network of people of um, educators in Acton, how, have there been any graduates uh, that are already like going to college or working? That's a great question. Uh, is there any? Yeah. Example that we can. So the very so Action Academy just celebrated
1: their 10 year anniversary. So the very first acton Academy graduates, there were three mm-hmm. um, in Austin, and so they are now out into the world. Um, they have launched from the nest, <laughs> um, from the launch pad. That's right. <laughs> that's the high school from, name, right? <laughs> exa- exactly from the launch pad. And um, they're doing varied things. Those three, um, one decided to start his own business right away. I think in gaming or something of that oh, sort. Okay, video games. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, another learner got into her um, top college. I um, don't somewhere in California, really good school. Um, and then the other learner also got into her top college. Um, I think she's in San Francisco, um, but she decided to defer her enrollment for a year. So she could travel the world and be a consultant for Acton Academy, which is pretty amazing. So she mm. actually traveled to various Acton Academies all over the world. And um, because she had grown up, you know, she was one of the first Acton Academy That's students. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and so she was able to act as a consultant and helping shape the community to troubleshoot yeah. problems, even just to, to help out yeah really amazing so that's um, a really good one yeah. because I, I'll
0: probably need her contact
1: yeah, for yeah, the I future reference I know we hope
0: to have her in Northern Virginia sometime soon to help uh, us yeah. Yeah. that would be great yeah I would like to get an interview with her yeah yes, it would be really amazing because yeah. then you can really show this is the person mm-hmm. went to the academy uh, living her life now and I'm sure it would be very different from yes. a lot of us so Yes, Yes.
1: because by that time, all of those, any of our learners that graduate from Launchpad have had many different apprenticeships um, Mm -hmm. because that's part of our high school program is that they get out there and they do things and they work in the real world. And so versus, you know, when I left school having no idea what I wanted to do, (laughs) um, that by the time they're 18, our our learners at least have a really good idea of what they don't want to do, but most likely have a pretty good sense of what their gifts and talents are and how they can use them to serve the world in some way.
0: Yeah, it's amazing because this is very similar to what I've did, what I've done. Like for some reason I always did, did draw a line uh, for the activity that makes my money and for the activity that I do, mm-hmm. just I do it. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny and now I'm trying to actually synergize those two and make it into one. Mm-hmm. But something that I've always done uh, in school, was uh, writing, interviewing, making shows, Mm. or some kind of engaging in conferences and talking Mm. to people. So I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to do something around that area. And especially, um, I was fascinated with people who've done well in life. Mm. And I want to write all about the things. But the only other thing that was stopping me, I'm from Kazakhstan, Mm -hmm. and the freedom of speech Mm wasn't that great still not that great Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I was thinking I don't want to be a journalist and avoid all the hot topics that I want to talk about (laughs) so I kind of quit (laughs) on the idea altogether I was like I want to live life I want to enjoy it I don't want to get in trouble so this is how I started but now I realized hey this is what I do this is what I love I should be doing that Mm -hmm. And I didn't even need all of my other seven years of education that was hard, expensive, and everything. Yeah, it's so, yeah. but it's very interesting. But I, I really am grateful for my education, though, because it got me to the point where I know what I'm talking about, I know the people I want to interview. So it became a lot larger. But I was thinking that I could have made money doing what I wanted already when I was 15 yeah and I don't know where it could have taken me if I started right away Mm -hmm. so that's why I really applaud to this idea Um, and uh, this is probably something that um, related to you like in your childhood what you were dreaming to be and how did that like what were your favorite books what were you thinking when you grew up was it something you always wanted to be a teacher
1: I've always loved people. I know that sounds really weird, but I've always yeah. loved um, the act of discovery, and I've loved learning, and I've loved seeing other people discover new things. Um, I think my favorite movies are always movies where the lead character discovers something about themselves, yeah. um, themselves, and um, and then I mean it's the typical hero's journey story. So they discover right. something about themselves, and then they're changed, and they just they get to live a fuller life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even, even as a young child, I think my parents would laugh cause they would find me as like a 10 year old looking at some of their like psychology books. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I, um, I went through school just reading a lot and, um, and then when I went to college, I majored in communications because I really was interested in how people communicated and how, Um, communication is not just a verbal I mean we have visual lots of different ways of communicating and how that you know if we if we really hone that craft how we can improve people's lives Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: and so I I went to Villanova University graduated with a degree in communications and public relations which you know I I did that because I was interested in it not because I knew what job I wanted necessarily Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thankful enough, I, fortunate enough to have parents that really always encouraged me to follow my curiosity. Yes. Um, and, then, and then after that... That's um, why you decided to do the same for
0: your kids. That's right. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because that's just the path to a meaningful life, I think. So, um, so then uh, I spent a year or so in D.C., in Washington, D.C., working as a recruiter for um, just a small um, administrative like recruiting firm, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty funny because I was in my young 20s and it was my first job and here mm-hmm. I was helping other people land jobs. Like, <laughs> 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 um, but I really enjoyed, I enjoyed helping people find that job that they were really passionate about mm-hmm. um, and who had people that really had the talent, skill and passion for it. And realized that I really didn't enjoy um, working with with people who really just were looking for a job mm-hmm. um, and and so I, I saw a distinct difference in kind of the paths in life we can take yes. and um, and long I, I think just through a lot of soul searching and introspection I realized that what I wanted to do was help children like thinking that if I'm helping these young adults find jobs who really don't know what they want to do or what their skill set is why aren't we starting earlier? You know, why aren't we really nurturing that in our K through 12 schools? And and so by the time they graduate, they have a strong sense of who they are. Um, They're confident in what their abilities are. They know what they need to work on Um, Mm -hmm. and and how their skills and talents and passions, kind of that intersection of those three things, um, became this focus for me. And so I knew that I wanted to explore that in young children's lives. So I Pursued then decided to go back to school to get my master's in education. So Mm -hmm. in many ways now of course my undergrad degree in communications and PR and my master's degree in education and um, early childhood and elementary education has has definitely merged to um, to serve me in this role as a director and co-founder of a school um, which mm-hmm. I, did, of course, had no idea at the time. I would end up there. but <laughs> right. by following my own curiosity, here I am.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: so I really believe in that. Um, that's a a long way of saying that I think as long as as families, we can and schools, we can create that culture of following your curiosity. Um, then each one of us are much more likely to to live a life that allows us to fulfill our
0: full potential um and find that calling, right. Yeah. And uh, so, Basically when you're motivated to do something and you go through different things and you find out what you really like, what you don't like, Mm -hmm. and things that end up being in your toolbox can really prepare you for the bigger thing in your life. Mm -hmm. This is how I see like even when you fail, even when you go somewhere where you don't like it, there's certain aspects and certain elements I'm sure you can take in your toolbox and they will be forever with you Mm -hmm. so that's the part I I really like the way you said oh when when you see someone who's looking for a job Mm -hmm. and someone who's really passionate about their jobs it's absolutely true like when I uh, take on uh, coaching for uh, project managers Mm -hmm. uh, and I see that right away because when they are doing interviews Mm -hmm. you can see if they have a spark in their eye or if they don't Mm -hmm. So when I prepare them, I coach. I have to like look. If you really want a job in project management, mm-hmm. you got to have that spark with the, during when you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though you might now be really passionate about, it, you have to. Make yourself be passionate about right. if that's what you chose, or, or just something. give up <laughs> and consider, <laughs> <Or> consider something, <laughs> something else. else. Yeah. Exactly, because the the road will tell you what things are not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is also something to discuss because sometimes people go a certain route and they think is it it's it's failing is it because I don't want it and it's not mine and all these doubts. Or, or do they have to stick to it and just keep doing? And, you know, that's what's called grid. Mm-hmm. And they just keep on doing it. And finally, after, I don't know, 20 years of uh, work at it, they've, they have a major breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So, like, in your, for example, experience, when you're feeling like something is failing, how do you distinguish distinguish between the two Mm -hmm. and if you think that you have to keep go keep going Mm -hmm. how do you make yourself keep going how do you motivate that's a really good question I think
1: and that's and I do think that separates entrepreneurs from people who choose a different path because I think as an entrepreneur you have to look at failure as a learning opportunity again and again and again Um, and maybe it's just learning how to I mean, maybe it's just learning how to sit with that discomfort for a little bit until it mm-hmm. passes. Um, sometimes there is a clear solution, and sometimes you you sit back and you say, "This is what I signed up for. I signed up for all the good, and I signed up for all the struggle that comes with um, doing something brave, you know, and mm-hmm. and taking those those risks." Um, so. Um, that that's definitely a really challenging thing I think for most people because um, I think if you're choosing if you really believe that life should be this constant path of happiness and, and <laughs> ease and comfort um, then then doing something like owning your own business or launching a company or anything like that is just um, it's going to come as quite a shock mm-hmm. um, so for me it's two things i think anytime i face a real struggle i think to myself first of all this too shall pass because something in the moment that always seems really large um, it is in that moment but it does pass mm-hmm. and and then of course the other thing is i ask myself where is the learning in this opportunity mm-hmm. and there's always a lesson every time and and then applying that to the next time so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know if that's this is quite yeah, yeah
0: and uh while you were talking about it i was thinking since you went from you know the communications a little bit and then education um uh, and obviously now this is your own business do you have any other interests or projects you want to do maybe when this is stable or when the, your kids graduate yeah i don't know something interesting and different yeah do you have my nine-year-old said to me the other day he goes mom i don't think this is your only calling
1: and i I said really he said yeah i I, I feel like you're going to do something else i thought that was really cool um i would love to write um a book someday Mm -hmm. whether it's a memoir about this experience or or something more fun in the fictional realm i've always loved to write um Mm -hmm. and that's, that's definitely I, I, that's on my agenda for life goals um, but I think of that as kind of the next chapter after my children are grown and out of the house mm-hmm. of course I'm still writing constantly but um, but that big project
0: would happen then I okay, would so. uh, buy the first book oh, <laughs> for <thank> sure you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we should collaborate on one Yes, yes books are really amazing I love books too. Um, so speaking of books uh, any favorite book that really like made a difference. In so your life. my my team of colleagues and my
1: the guides uh, that I work with always and my friends actually always laugh at me because I'm constantly referencing Brene Brown. <laughs> yeah. but I love. Um, but she's
0: amazing. She you cannot a, she's not a, reference her. I know
1: she's amazing. Um, so Darren Greatly was a was a, one of my favorites because that was a real turning point for me where I mm-hmm. knew that I that I could stay in this comfort zone of, um, kind of a, just a balanced, easy life where I could go for something that I really believed in that I'm doing now. Um, so Darren, Greatly, was great. Um, No Man is an Island, which was kind of a classic by Thomas Merton. I love that mm-hmm. book. Um, and of course, Courage to Grow. So that's Laura Sandifer wrote that yeah. about, um,
0: her journey to start Acton Academy. That's a wonderful one. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah on my audible i was listening to that and then there's another one courage to be disliked mm. oh yeah <laughs> that was really good as well because yeah. it really talks about how you can take that competitiveness out of you <laughs> mm-hmm. and become you know employ this new attitude towards the world but it's, such a, it's so true
1: because if you if you ask what you have to have that courage should be disliked if you're going to do anything where you're just visible to the world right <laughs> yeah it's just that's just the way it is yeah. it's that 80 20 rule or something mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah the Pareto rule you have to do that right so what else do you do every day that you know helps you, yeah. you know, some daily habit that that helps you to be yeah on top of it um I try to practice
1: gratitude every day um, and I say practice cause it really is a practice. Yes. Um, it's easy to say you're grateful, but, um, and I do that by either first thing in the morning, you know, with my cup of coffee, I'll think about what am I really grateful for? Who do I have to thank? It's usually who do I have to thank? Um, and I will, um, send an email or a note or something to one person. And I really try to do that every day where I'll call my mom at the end of the day and thank her for, <laughs> for, for something hard that she endured. Um, and, uh, because I know that I am where I am because of all of the people that have supported me along the way. So, um, so I'm always want to maintain that sense of gratitude for, for everything that I have, for all that I'm currently doing, um, and make sure that I'm really, th- I don't think you can say
0: thank you enough to people. Yeah. And that's a wonderful habit because it gives you a different, uh, headspace, space, different vibration completely. Yeah. And people can feel it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly w- like when we met. I was just very drawn mm, to you, to the idea, yeah. because I feel that like the whole um, attitude is very different yeah. from if the person wasn't very grateful or mm, you know not deep enough. I would say. Yeah. So, cool. well, thank you so much yeah. <laughs> today. I'm really My grateful. Pleasure. To have um, interviewed you and had this amazing discussion about learning and collaboration, mm-hmm. and I wish you good luck in all of your endeavours. And uh, I hope to see some of your graduates <laughs> and yes. interview them in the we'll future. we send them your way. And, and maybe definitely... you can have an internship for them, apprenticeship for them at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. yeah, I've had been lucky to have had very good mentors and. Uh, internships scholarships so I would like to help and give back to the younger people now thank you so much (laughs) thanks a lot